Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine. LPN Deep Dives presents A Court of Thorns and Roses. With Natalie Jean and Jackie Zabrowski. I don't want to alarm you, but... We have a new Waterloo flavor. Whoa, ginger citrus twist. Okay. Yeah, we do. I love ginger spark like water. Oh, God. Are you better, uh, are bone carver's already. I'm about to act like a child this entire episode. Good. Ah! You don't understand me. Um, But also the bone carver's, I think, 5,000 million years yeah. old. So maybe you become a baby again. Yeah, go back in time. Maybe that's why he he dresses like this for Feyre. Maybe. Um, I think this wig is too dark for Nesta. What do you think? I don't think so. I think it distinguishes her from the other sisters. Okay. You don't think it's too brunette? Nah. All right. No, I think it works. The bone carver spoken. The bone carver! I'm a little bummed out that we're getting into all of the Illyrian fighting stuff in the middle of summer because. Very difficult to wear your leathers. I'm sweating. Hard to wear the leathers and think about how much they sweat. Right. Imagine the rubbing those leathers creates. But they heal so fast, they probably don't even get rashes. But what about the chafing? Does it make the chafing not? Be as chafy? I don't know. Mm. Mm. Better Google it. (laughs) Uh, Do Illyrians feel their chafing of their loins? Maybe they get chub rub too. Mm, Okay. I like it. New Waterloo's doing good. I love a ginger. I like to get the ginger mule seltzer water. Ooh, yeah, me too. Oh, if I'm feeling naughty, like the bone carver feels. See, we get upset about not being able to be at Perthian, but they don't even have, I don't think they have sparkling water. I mean, you could probably zap it sparkling, right? Maybe Tarquin with his bubbles? Yeah, adding bubbles to everything. Summer court. Because other than that, like, the bubbles thing is not... The most badass of skills. Useful. Put you in a bubble. You know, you know how much I drink seltzer? Multiple oh, yeah, a day. When it, oh, when it comes to seltzers, don't even get Utility. Me. It doesn't even. They don't. They barely last in our home. I have to mm-hmm. buy. Every time I leave the house, I have to buy another case of sparkling water. Same. 
I'm sure it won't be some horrible thing that's going to come out about how our stomachs are ripped apart when we're in our 70s. I've looked into it multiple times because I've had multiple people in life saying, you know, that it doesn't hydrate you as well as regular water does. And I was like, well, I've looked into it. And apparently it's because you can't drink as much of it as you can regular water. But also, I'm drinking regular water, too. Yeah, same. Get out of my ass. We're both both women of many hydrations. Yes. We always have like six drinks next to I it. have to. I'm constantly drinking. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, send me to send me to school. You're too young to drink. Drink it's I'm a baby. God love me. I'm really upset I didn't put my weaver costume together now that you're here as the bone carver. I was I'm, almost going to do it, but then I didn't have a black wig. Damn, we didn't. We could have been bro- the brother and sister that don't have sex with each other. No, they don't even speak. No. Yeah. I mean, if you have been alive for that many years, can you imagine all of the like things of like, well, this all one time yeah. you did this. 500 years is hard, hard enough for all the inner circle. Imagine a millennia. Oh, my God. And he loves living in his cave. Don't. He does. Yeah. He, he likes his cell. He doesn't want to be left out. He loves his prison. And I understand as a little boy, I get those things. Put me in a cage. Little boys deserve to be in a cage. All right. Okay. It's scary. It's not sexy. I don't I don't like it either way. <laughs> we're now we're back. I like that you shouldn't be upset about a little boy just being put into a cave cage nefariously, but you know, yeah. I guess it's all upsetting. It is, all of it, every kind. I don't want any children in any cages anywhere. All right. That's that's my okay. statement I've made. Well now so last time we left off, we had the sisters and they were all back together, cuddled up like they were children after being reunited from Elaine's kidnapping. Elaine's uh, fey napping. I don't know what you'd call that. Yeah, uh, you know, please don't bring up kidnapping in front of the child that you're sitting next to. I'm sorry. Uh, and there's been an uproar in the Hibernian camps with the king finding out that Tamlin is in fact a spy. Dun, dun, dun. So now what's going to happen? Chapter 66 opens with Favor putting all the pieces together of what happened the next morning. All that she learned, all that she saw in those camps. And having the realization that Tamlin very well might have saved her life. Yeah, dude. That her wings probably wouldn't have held her with that shoulder injury. And that Tamlin's spring winds gave her the final push Ooh, over the cliff. Ooh, I bet that puts bees upon her bonnet. Mm, yeah. Because as much as like, thank you so much, there's also, I'm sure, a big part of you that if a toxic ex helped you with anything you just be like yeah I guess fine thank, thank you, you. <laughs> thanks <laughs> just like you know like 20% anger from it yeah oh definitely I mean I think she probably feels a lot of confusing feelings but at least with her matehood she's not even considering going back to him no. so that's a good thing because no. sometimes that's they trick you they help you with spring winds over the cliff and then they just clamp back down on top of you. Get out of my bed, Tamlin. Yeah. Get out of here. I don't want to give him another rodeo spin, but when the cows are calling... Not the bone carver. No. No, that's Jackie, not the bone carver. Not child bone carver me, Jackie me. I have to distinguish between the two today. Yeah, you're going to have to because there's going to be a lot of sexual jokes. And every single time you're going to have to just tap in. That's from Jackie. Jackie. (laughs) 
<laughs> not from the child bone weaver. Bone weaver, bone carver. Ooh, bone weaver. That's fun. Like a like a shirt made out of bones. I strips. felt like I was the parent of both the bone carver and the weaver for a second. I'm like bone weaver. <laughs> we yeah, bone. One of you get over here and put the cups in the dishwasher. <laughs> Maybe I was the only one that got yelled at for that, but I always have had cups everywhere in my life. I think that's a pretty standard parent shout. Every time my mom would see me get another cup, she'd be like, oh, do you need another cup? Is the oh, cup you're gonna, you are you going to wash all the cups? I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to wash the cups, but I have many. I've always been a mevry, many, mevry, bevry, mevry, bevry kind of gal. <laughs> We have we don't have alcoholic drinks here. <laughs> Although I do think one time we should record at least one episode a little. You keep wine saying drunk. this. I don't know how I'll keep the script going if that's what we do. Maybe you can do a stream where we talk about. Stuff. Okay, I think that's a good idea. That that's how you do it. Okay. Vera awoke still sleeping in the huddle of her sisters, and she gets up and examines the wound on her shoulder, marveling at how. Rapidly, it's already healing thanks to uh, fey magic and the healer. Her muscles, though, are also still healing as she had to use them to the breaking point to try to get to that ward on her wings. So they, she had to like, like pulled muscles basically, Ugh, all in her back too. Ouch! Ouchie! She marvels at Azrael's ability to not only stay airborne but hold two people while using his siphons while his wings were being shredded at the same time. She, yeah, he's yeah, pretty. He's, he's our shadow singer, isn't yeah. he? I was just looking at pictures of, because we had the, the conversation on the last episode of, like, looking like Asriel or, like, Cassian. In my head, like, as I read it, they're very interchangeable. But I forget, he's very much more clean-cut, very broody, clean-cut, though. And Cassian is the wildman. Oh, yeah. I don't see them actually at all similar in my head. I think it's just because I want to kiss both of them so they become, like, one big creature in my brain. (laughs) Just like limbs coming out from everywhere. Yeah, it's like having sex with Dr. Manhattan, you know, where I'm just like, oh, I don't know where he's coming from. Oh, mm, sexy. Big blue man. From Jackie. Jackie, not the child. (laughs) I think if I talk like the child, then I talk like this, mommy. Mummy, are you scared of the bone carver? I actually think that might be close to his voice because he's supposed to be sort of in like a terrifying little ghost child. Yes. So he probably does sound kind of Don't like I look like it? What if then... I mean, I don't have a lot of makeup on and I know that's scary. Oh, who's this demon? Oh, she ain't got no makeup on. Oh, please, you have porcelain skin. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I have foundation on. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. We're not animals. Hey, we're not animals. I know I live in a cave. I know I live in a cave, mommy, <laughs> but I have to put my mascara on. <laughs> so much dirt you could use as mascara down there. Oh, you're right. Um, yeah, I don't need, you don't need mascara. Mm-hmm. God's mascara. God's mascara. <laughs> so after she examines herself, she leaves her tent to find Callius and his winter court troops coming in to aid the fight, as had been the plan. With the troops' sentient animal friends, lumbering white bears in ornate armor, some so keenly aware when they ambled by that I wouldn't have been surprised if they could talk. Which harkens back not only to East of the Sun and West of the Moon, which is one of Mass's inspirations for Akatar. His Dark Materials! Yeah, it immediately made me think of his Dark Materials because that's a, a, a big character, is a, an armored 
polar bear, basically. I mean, I know it's not sexy, but what a deep dive into his dark material. Oh, I know, I know, do. I know. Oh, my God. Oh. I love it. No, not sexy, though. Not sexy, um, no. Another child-driven story. <laughs> also, white foxes scuttled about underfoot, bearing what looked to be messages strapped to their little embroidered vests. So I've How been- cute is that? I've been told multiple times to stop bringing up Crescent City because not everybody has read it, but it reminds me of something inconsequential that happens in, in Crescent City, and that's all I'm going to say, okay? Vests in, vests on foxes. I love any kind of animals wearing clothes. Animals wear little vests and traveling around with messages. It's fun. I mean, better than a pigeon. Stop wasting your time with these pigeon messages. I'm always saying this to you, Natalie. Send a text. Oh, me? Or get a fox. Oh, yeah, with my pigeon house. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I thought I could I could change the world with my mail You're system. You're just like Mike Tyson. I am. That's what people always say to me. <laughs> um. Especially when you talk like this. <laughs> Is that supposed to be a Mike Tyson? Uh, yeah, that's my Mike Tyson impersonation. Very good. Vera sees more in Vivian, if you'll recall, who are old besties, walking along with another female who looks almost identical to Vivian, perhaps a sibling. Hmm. And then she notices that Brian, Brian, that changed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, Brian from down the block. (laughs) That must have changed an autocorrect. Briar. Brian does not sound like it's a name in this, this world. Um, <laughs> and then she notices that Briar, child of the blessed, is walking with the fae females, just living her best children of the blessed fantasy life with Vivian's arm around her shoulder. Ugh. She's like, in that moment, she's like, damn, I was right all along. Yeah, I should have been doing this. This is what I was looking for. I just had to get tortured for a for while. A you know, worth minute. it. Uh, as Feyre watches Moore and Vivian part ways, she's suddenly face to face with Moore. And then begins the awkward dance after two people have had a fight and they're now looking at how to move forward. Oh. It's the worst. It's, I mean, it's up there with like when you forget to respond to someone's text message and then you see them in person and you're just like, hey, it's like, hey. do you bring up the text message? Do you not bring up uh, the text message? Yeah. Hey. Hey. Oh, hey. Uh, yeah. No. I, I, I didn't see anything on the phone. Glad that. Oh, wow. I've been. Uh, I Are lost we my phone. Friends. Oh, yeah. My phone. I've just like <sighs> lost it for three weeks and it's crazy. I don't even know what it is. Can you imagine if I lost my phone for three weeks? I didn't have a phone for a day after it got stolen and I was just like, help. Help me, what do I do? How do I be a person? Yeah, I mean, that's actually, not to bring up Spun on this, but uh, it, it is notable about a lot of missing kids now, like millennials and Gen Z. They're so, they're, the people are so used to them being on their phones 24-7, if they can't get a hold of them after two hours or so, it, that like actually sparks alarm faster, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, so I feel like uh, I'm, I'm proud of Briar, but I don't know if it's worth it for me to go through torture, even to live a fey life, even for a bit. I don't know. She's not, because she's not getting the actual fey powers or anything. Yeah. That's true. Um. So Feyre goes the indirect route in this moment when she's looking at more, trying to figure out what to do, and asks her about Briar and if she handed her over to the Winter Court. 
Moore fairly says that a young lady who just went through what she went through probably doesn't want to be in a war camp with a bunch of grizzled soldiers. When Feyre questions whether it's really any better in the winter camp, Moore says, they've got fuzzy animals. And that sort of breaks the ice for them. Aw, oh, breaks the ice for the winter court because it's there was ice oh, between them and then oh. the ice got broken. Oh. Um, we don't want them to be upset with each other. No. Love each other. Get back together. Moore calls Feyre brave for saving Briar. Although that is, a tr- I feel like, triggering because I feel like sometimes when you go brave, very brave. <laughs> oh, no. It depends on how you say it, I think. Yes. If you say it in that tone, then you realize... Real that... brave, Farah. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. Briar, by the way, historically is connected to the Sleeping Beauty folktale, that name, who's sometimes known as Briar Rose in the German iteration specifically. However, the oldest tellings of Sleeping Beauty are not super pleasant and involve the old... Hard R. Oh, fun. Which seems to have a, an origin in the 17th century Italian version of it known as Sun Moon Italia. But it gets a lot of the folktale versions of it involve her being impregnated while she is asleep. So, oh, yeah, easy to give consent, you know? Keep sleeping if you consent. All right. She woke, she wakes up with babies and she's like, thank you so much for this Ooh. gift. Ooh. Um, so I don't Ew. know. Waking up and then I'm like, now I got to deal with like having babies. I mean, all of it would be a very dramatic. Go to sleep. No babies. Wake up, babies. Don't give me another anxiety dream. Well, also just questioning how it happened. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. That was the story that kids were told, I guess, back, back in the old days. So, um. <laughs> I don't know if Mass maybe made a connection to this battered girl or she just liked the name, but that is maybe where she got that from. As they talk, Feyre inquires about Azrael, and Moore tells her that while Faison has begun the healing process, his wings will very likely not be ready for the battles coming up, which is not good news. No, we need Azrael. He's kind of important. As Azrael is one of the most, you know, important... uh, Assets within the seven. Yeah, uh, with the most important assets. Yeah. Yeah, he's got like seven big old siphons swinging mm-hmm. around. And a big, tight, tight, leathered, covered ass. Does he wear a short skirt? A skirt? Yeah, like does he wear like a little like, a little like, in my head it's feathers. Really? Yeah, he wears a feather skirt. And it doesn't cover much. I think that's just you using your imaginations. Oh, yeah. Isn't it nice to use our imaginations? Yeah. Moore confesses that when they were gone at Highburn's camp, she was afraid that she'd never be able to see Feyre again and that their friendship would have been left unresolved. They both begin to apologize for their words. Moore asks that they keep no more secrets from one another. Aww. When Feyre agrees, she is rewarded with some delicious romantic gossip. About Morgan. Yes. Also, you're allowed to keep some secrets from your friends. You don't have to tell them everything. Everything. No, you don't. She tells some things for yourself. You don't yeah. even have to tell everything to your partner, too. No. You can keep some sense of self in there. Keep something for yourself as a little treat. Because um, usually it's really fun things you're keeping quiet. Oh, yeah. It's not just pathetic things that if anyone found out, you would be ashamed into an early grave. No, no, no. Grave. Definitely not that. Um... She tells Feyre that she does, of course, love Asriel, but she doesn't love, love him. 
which is as much as we already suspected. That's not a huge shock. But it's because Morgan finally says it. Because I prefer females. Yes! <laughs> Yay! Yes! Morgan's coming out. She wants the world to know. She isn't. She doesn't. She wants Feyre to know. Yeah, she just wants Feyre to know. She doesn't yeah. want anyone else to know. Yeah, Morgan's coming out to Feyre. Now, I know this has caused, this storyline has caused a little bit of debate mm-hmm. amongst the fans. Some people feel as though this was tacked on. We've already discussed this several times, and people have the right to feel how they feel about it. Um, Feyre, for her part, is absolutely perplexed, which is what some people question about the storyline. Um, well, not this part. So, so they're not. I don't think anyone's perplexed, other than Feyre, that she's seen more sleep with males because I guess bisexuality and pansexuality weren't prevalent in Feyre's poor provincial poor town. Provincial town. No, she was too busy reading and painting. Yeah, to see any bisexual queens around. Um, Moore goes on to say basically that she likes sins of the flesh with lots of different people yes. of different genitally configured. Body. Yes, mom. I'm with you, bitch. She goes on to say that she's even tried to consider the idea of being m- like more with not M O R. It's hard because her name is more, yes. and then you use the word more yeah. in a sentence. She goes on to say that she's even tried to consider the idea of being something else with Azrael, but it simply never felt right to her. It's why she chose to quote sully herself with Cassian because she knew he'd be like. Okay, hell yeah. And then when she said, I just want to be friends afterwards, he'd be like, okay. Okay, sounds good. We had fun. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Man, you got to love a big dopey fuck, man. Yeah. When you just like pat him on the head and go, see it, send him on their way. And he's still a nice guy, you know? Yeah. She knows that had she chosen Asriel, it would have meant something more to him. Oh, my God. Can you imagine immediately, like right after the first fuck of like, so are you my girlfriend now Hi. like whoa 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 yes yeah, just like good staring morning. good morning my love like whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> you ever been with one of those before i have and i just went like get me away yeah. get me away from them yeah because it's not actually healthy to do that if nah. you just copulated one time nah you know Especially when you've been friends for that long and you know someone has that big of a crush on you. I actually really respect more for oh, yeah. choosing to not have sex with Azrael because she knows that it would just, like, give him the wrong idea. And you know she sees him sometimes and goes, oh, okay. man, he's hot. Dude, you, how could you not? And so she, But she still hasn't. Yeah. Um, but because she chose Cassian, Azrael takes that in his mind after all these years that he's simply not good enough for her. Oh. And this is another point of contention that some people have with Morgan's storyline. Feyre wants to know why she doesn't tell her family, like her real family, her inner circle family, that no one would care. And that's how a lot of readers also feel about it. But um, I would counter with people don't always come out for a number of reasons. Uh, But yes, it does make sense that she could have just been like out and, and proud around her people and it doesn't make sense to some readers why she hasn't done that um but i also don't think a person has to come out even if they live in an accepting no it's their own choice they're allowed to do and and a character is allowed to choose to do whatever they want to do so even if the storyline is tacked on which 
I don't think that it is. I think that this is something that, like, I think Moore's, like, Moore has been a very openly sexual person, like, this entire time. Yeah. So I, I feel like in the same way of just because you haven't seen her in the book sleep with a woman doesn't mean that she doesn't sleep with women. You right, know, right, right. There, there's also part of that conversation. It wasn't like, oh, she's only talking about who she's slanging with. Slanging. Slanging. And I will also, I would say in her, in Morgan's defense, if you want to call it that, uh, I don't, you don't have to defend your choice, but if you want to call it a defense, the Court of Nightmares doesn't accept gay people, which is what she explains to Feyre, that if she told her family about her feelings, they would just force her into a marriage. And, you know, to her, she, it's like a, something she wants to keep close to her, her chest because it's something they can't hurt her with like mm-hmm. take it take it away and again keeping something private for herself it's none ya yeah. none ya business yeah um and and also in defense of morgan's choice if this was her choice her family is absolutely horrible and she's forced to interact with him on a regular basis so it would make sense she wouldn't want them to know that thing about her um but she does say that she also does spend time with females in that Rita, the proprietor of Rita's on the water, yeah. is also gay and that her pleasure hall is a safe haven. Yeah, man, you got one margarita and open my legs and two margaritas. I'm going to give you some head. Stop staring at me. margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Rita loves that song. I bet she does. She thinks it's fun. Um... And I then, was staring you down while you I was singing right. the song. <laughs> Did you feel entranced by me? Yeah. <laughs> Don't be scared. Yeah. I'm just a baby. No, ew, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, and then she tells Feyre, she reveals that she once had a love. Her first lady lover, actually. Her name was Andromache, which is a reference to a Greek goddess. Sick. This goddess was, in description, fair and tall and was described as taking on some typically masculine roles in war, including being an advisor to her husband. Sick. Yeah, fuck that woman. Nice. She sounds cool. I don't know if there was a particular reason for this name reference or if it's just another she liked the name. But anyway, Morgan fell in love with the woman, Andromache, who was not only a queen, but a human. (gasps) They met in war, and after Morgan witnessed Nephel marry her female lover, which we discussed when Azrael was telling Pharaoh the story of the Nephel prophecy, philosophy, <laughs> which we discussed when Azrael was telling Pharaoh the story of the Nephel philosophy, she yearned for that herself. She and Edromache became lovers, but... Andromache, as a royal member, was expected to breed. Uh, The way you're dressed right now and the way you're saying Andromache, you make me think of like you're a villain in a 90s action movie. That's my old goal in life. (laughs) (laughs) Make me the villain in Home Alone 7. Yeah. Um, So. Oh, yeah, you can go up against me. I'll make every trap paint can. Ow. Christmas ornaments. Have you ever seen the uh, the the diagram of what all of the the traps Kevin McAllister put in his house would have actually done to a human? Body? Oh, they would have like killed them so <laughs> fast, right? It's like very <laughs> gruesome. <laughs> Hi, 
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The savings rock when you find a new way to roll. Like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, Commuter Connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable and... Wait a minute. Who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna. To keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch. When it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. And so her lover was expected to be a breeding horse, as many women are in royal lines. And while I can, I could argue that two people with vaginas can still breed, um, her family didn't see it that way. And so Morgan left the mortal lands to let her live her life. But when she returned to Prithian, she realized her mistake and wanted to return. But that day, the wall went up. <gasps> her human. On the other side. She spent three years looking for a way to penetrate the wall until she found a hole. Whoa, I thought she already did. Uh, Come on. But when she went back, she looked through the window like a real creep and saw Andromache with her husband and her baby. Ugh. Her lover went on to have four more children, and one of them was <gasps> the Golden Queen. Bum, bum, bum. The queen who was so brave to give them the human half of the book and who paid the ultimate price for it. She's got good bones in her. Yeah. So Morgan basically boils it down to, I've painted myself into a corner and I don't know how to get out of this place I've put myself. Which is, I also get why people feel negatively about the storyline, but I do, I can understand her, her sentiment in that moment too. She's also expressing her fear of rocking the boat, to use another metaphor, because she has a, a sort of a balance with Asriel and Cassian and she's afraid to change that. Mm. Um, Regardless of your feelings on this, Feyre says that she will be here for her whether she wants to come out today or in another 500 years. With that fight out of the way, Feyre goes to retrieve Amryn because in honesty to herself, she's afraid to go and face Briaxis without Amryn. Yeah, I get it. Bargain or not. Very scary. 
But Amarin is not taking visitors right now. Feyre discovers that Amarin has put a force field around her tent while she works through whatever the book says on the second and penultimate pages. I know she's working on the book, but also is Varian still in that tent? Come on, I'd put up a shield too. Oh yeah, she's just saying she's working. Yeah, but she's just getting it banged out. Oh man, how great would that force field be? To have, like, to be able to use whenever you want. To have sex wherever? Yes, but also I was thinking more of, like, being on an airplane where you could put up a force oh, field yeah. and, like, just have your own experience. I guess you could fuck on the airplane if you want, but in my head it was more for, like, I can, you know, be like, I hate it here! No one would hear me. <laughs> yeah, you could cry like a baby, but nobody else will be bothered <laughs> yes. by it. You go, wham, You know, wham. yeah, like I always do on planes, mm-hmm. and everybody looks at me like, you're too old to be crying like that. You just put this costume on. yeah. And go, I'm a kid. <laughs> I look like a kid, right? Not a 36-year-old banshee. Ah! Do you want to look like a small child? No, it's probably for the best that I don't look like a small child. It's probably for the best for my husband. Yeah. Yeah. After Favor tries to push through this forest field that Amron's put up for a while, she gives up and goes to find everyone else. And all the participating lords are gathered in the war tent. They've discovered Highburn's army has moved from the, the place where Feyre and Nessa just visited them. And so they're currently hiding and the, the Hylors can't find where they are. So she couldn't have sent Bryaxis anyway. So it would have been sort of a waste of time. Mm. The High Lords and are debating their next move. Well, every High Lord but Baron and Tamlin. The latter still missing after his epic jump off the ledge of the cliff. As they toil over what Hibern might be thinking right now, Reese calls Cassian up to the table, asking what his thoughts are on everything. After some debate and reflection, Cassian comes to the conclusion that Hibern is trying to get them to keep winnowing to decoy spots to tire out their armies. That the king is now marching southward to go straight to the human lands. Callius asks why he would do this now, and Feyre responds, because we insulted him. Me and my sisters. And also, it's probably got to be pretty easy to go wipe out a bunch of humans and like then you get another celebration. Yeah. And I think what Cassian is saying is the Highburn had this one plan, but now he's driven by spite and is now just going down to kill as many people as possible and tire them out at the same time. So he kind of changed direction a little bit just out of sheer pettiness. I mean, that was a big F you to the king. They just, like, really were like, oh, yeah, you're going to take my sister? And just, like, swoop. And we've got spies. And swoop. And get out of here. Tamlin's been lying. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, he's probably real mad right now. Yeah, dude. The High Lord seems skeptical that he would change everything for just a bunch of girls. Mm. But as Feyre explains... What the three of them had done, what, had ta- what they had taken from him, Helian chimes in saying that it would actually be exactly the king's style to be this petty. The lords ask amongst themselves if they are going to go there into the human realms to fight where they will most likely die because they now know the size of the army and know that they can't match it. <sighs> of course we are, says Reese. In a new world, we must decide how we are to end this old one and begin it anew. We must decide if we will begin it by allowing those who cannot defend themselves to be slaughtered, if that is the sort of people we are. And we're not! And we're not! No! Helion reiterates that then that they will all die. Good, Cassian said, glancing at Nesta. 
If I end my life defending those who needed it most, then I will consider it a death well spent. Lord Devlin, for once, nodded his approval. I wondered if Cassian noticed it. If he cared. His face revealed nothing, not as his focus remained wholly on my sister. Fuck you, Lord Ding Dong. But also, really sexy thing for Cassian to say. Oh, for sure. But Lord Devlin just nodding. Hmm. Yes. He's mm. he. It, ding dong is a good word to describe Lord Devlin. Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. What are you doing here? One by one, the lords agree to act. When Callius suggests they must start by tomorrow, Helion interjects. It must be within hours if they are to save any lives. They're already moving? They're doing it. They're going. Feyre, still nursing her hurt shoulder, says that they must go now and begin winnowing humans into Prithian. The High Lords are all kind of like, well, I don't know. I, mean, I, I still have to go to the gym tonight. Yeah, it seems like a really big effort just to like individually or by two winnowing out human beings. That's not... Also the most efficient way of no. saving people. And I think a little bit they are still being a bit prejudiced because they think humans are le- less important. Mm-hmm. And Feyre's like, no. When she suggests Valaris to take everyone there, Reese tells her it's too far to win out hundreds of people in that short of time. And that's when our boy Tarquin steps up. Mm-hmm. Bring them to Adriata. So hot. He really is. When Callius tries to gently go, oh, should we really? using our stores up on people? Feyre is not having it. One life may change the world. Where would you all be if someone had deemed saving my life to be a waste of time? I pointed to Reese. If he had deemed saving my life under the mountain a waste of time. Truth. Whoa. One person can change it all. Curse breaker. Just as all the High Lords have agreed to essentially die for the cause, Amran comes bustling into the tent. She has news. News that involves utilizing all four of the maid females. Her, Feyre, Elaine, and Nesta. Tarquin asks her if she's found a way to stop the cauldron. Amran's sharp chin bobbed in a nod. Even better. I found a way to stop his entire army. We all have to kiss. It's involving kissing. Kissing! It doesn't involve any kissing. This is all battles, but... It is a lot of battles. If it's Amran, I just let me dream. I will. I, I dreamed a dream of Amran's kissing! I won't bring Les Mis into this. Do not bring Les Mis into this. <laughs> <laughs> and so Amran describes the spell she has found at the start of Chapter 67... The one that will harness the quartet's power to take down the entire Hybern army, if done correctly. However, it requires the cauldron to be present. Sounds dicey. Feyre knows this means that they will need to walk into the trap the king has set for them. That they are going to have to exhaust their resources, exhaust their energy, and go into a battle they know that they probably cannot win. They'll have to work themselves past exhaustion, saving the humans and moving their armies, but they will do it. Recent Feyre traveled to Feyre's old village that very night. I think if I was Faye, I don't think I'd do it. Whoa. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say it. I think that I would turn against the humans and be like, "Well, we got to save ourselves." But that's why I'm not a high lord. Mm. I mean, some of the high lords would probably very much agree to do this. I think so yeah. too. 
When she arrives at their doorsteps, some of the same doorsteps she recalls dropping bags of gold off to when she left the spring court that first time. The villagers are frightened and not at all of them want to go with her, not even recognizing her immediately because she's so hot now. (sighs) But willing or not, Reese and Feyre gather the humans and take them to a forest outside of Adriata where they will be kept hidden with Crusada running the encampment. Even with all the other high lords helping this transfer, Reese is drained entirely and collapses into bed to get a few hours of sleep before the battle. Feyre sits up in the dark watching him knowing that he will go and go until he drops dead. She brushes the hair back from his forehead and realizes what she must do. It's time. She won't allow him to give himself over completely. Now is the time to go to the Ouroboros. That bitch has ah. got to lose her mind! I I mean, I've been there before. Sometimes you gotta, like, get in there, stare scramble it up with some psychedelics, and uh, really learn some things about yourself. And in my brain, the Ouroboros is a lot like eating a bunch of acid. Yeah, right. Where you're like, I don't know what I'm going to see when I look back at me. I mean, it's notorious on psychedelics, or at least maybe just for me, um, how terrifying it is to go into the bathroom because you have to look at yourself. And maybe that's where the Ouroboros came from. Maybe Moss has been spending a bunch of time just like staring into the mirror, staring into the void. Who are you? You look like me. Are you me? That's as scary for the people watching you do that as it is for you. Oh, yeah, especially once the tiles start to move. Ah. And you're just like, are they going to rearrange into a hole and I'm going to fall into the netherworld? Cool. <laughs> that doesn't sound scary. But what if it's cool down there? I mean, and what if it's like a fun slide and everyone's Ooh. just like, welcome, Jackie. And it's like in um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit yeah, where it's like the, coming yeah. in through the car, like the sun is shining. That's what I think happens. Yeah, I think that's what happens down there. She doesn't know if she'll return whole, but she knows she must try, that she might very well die if she walks into tomorrow with no help anyway. And Amran could still use her body on the cauldron if her mind has become ravaged. Sick. Feyre takes the last of her energy as Rizan sleeps and winnows to the court of nightmares. She's learned enough to know which way to go. But also, again, it's another one of these things of like, and you don't tell anyone where you go. You got... Communication, Feyre. We need, like, write a note. But then, Something. It, the, but this irresponsibility brings a great scene in a minute. Yes, so you're right. Fun. You're right. It is worth it. But she didn't. She couldn't have known she was going to have that pizzazz. Yeah, you're right. No. As she stares at the doorway leading to the mirror, she accepts that she must begin to ascend the 1,000 stairs that leads to its keeping place. She begins... That's a lot. I would be tired. I'd be like, I'd get all the way down there. I'm like, I need a nap just from the stairs. Can you imagine after they've been working tirelessly for days and days and days and living in tents and then having to do this? And then just thinking about like, oh, and then I got to be crazy and get back up the thousand stairs? No, I'd give up halfway through. She's at the top of the staircase at the start of chapter 68 and is surprised to note that the chamber that holds the mirror has openings to the outside and that it must exist right under the Moonstone Palace. These openings in the rocks have let snowdrifts in and a bitter wind. She stands at the end farthest from the mirror. The Ouroboros. It was a massive, round disk, as tall as I was. Taller. And the metal around it had been fashioned after a massive serpent. The mirror held within its coils as it devoured its own tail. 
ending and beginning. I would want that mirror in my house. Yeah, man, we're really big, uh, just the idea of snake people and the Ouroboros. We have actually have a lot of Ouroboros imagery in yeah. our home, and I think it's just really sick. But then it's too bad because a friend of ours who is um, deathly, afraid. deathly afraid of snakes, I have to cover all of them every time she comes into my home. Yeah. So Worth it! Sorry, bitch! Your house is a nightmare for yep. our friend. Filled with snakes. With trepidation, she begins to walk towards the mirror, not knowing what will happen when she stands before it. As she approaches, she sees nothing but herself. She continues to wait, and her reflection waits back. And then she spies movement in one corner of the mirror, somewhere behind her. Crawling down the snow-kissed wall, a massive beast of claws and scales and fur and shredding teeth inched toward the floor toward me. Its enormous paws were near silent on the floor, the fur on them a blend of black and gold. Not a beast designed to hunt in these mountains, certainly not with the ridge of dark scales down its back and the large, shining eyes. It sounds cute. Honestly, I, I, I'd just be like, in my brain, I think I, I'm thinking of his dark materials right now, that maybe it's my Damon, and then all Aww. of a sudden we can like go through life together. Best friends. Yes! I, What's your Damon? I've, we shouldn't be talking about his dark materials. No. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I get diverted. I also say Damon, but I think in the movies they it's say Damon. Demon. I know, but in my brain I'll never, I'll never change it. No, I like Damon better. Um, she has a moment to notice the creature's eyes look so similar to hers before the beast lashes out, seeming to want to attack Feyre. She whips around and finds nothing behind her in the room. She turns back to the mirror only to realize that the beast has now taken the place of her in the reflection. <gasps> Is her reflection a reflection of her soul? My knife clattered to the stones and snow, and I looked into the mirror. The next scene begins with her inside of the bone carver cell. It's me! Oh, it's you! I also didn't even realize, did I say up top why I'm dressed like a child? Well, because... we talked about it. Okay. Kind of. I don't, I don't remember if I had said it while we were recording, the fact that I was yeah. dressed up like the child that the bone carver presents itself as. I think so, but now we're very clear about Yeah, that. just so you really know who I am. I'm not just any child. I'm a special child. It'd be weird if you just randomly just showed up dressed as a little boy that had nothing to do with the story. I would dress up as the baby dinosaur. Don't get me started. Like from the the show I'm Dinosaurs? the baby, gotta love me. Big, Big purple eyes, I'm very cuddly. Purple eyes. Do you think he's related to Rizan? <gasps> you think so? Maybe that's where the baby comes from. And then, we, but he's so, so the baby's hitting Reese in the head with a frying pan? I don't know not if that the would mama. go well. <laughs> yeah, that's Feyre's not the mama. <laughs> that's what Bone Carver version of the baby says. Mm. You, not the mama. But maybe she is the mama. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know where the baby know. comes from. She and her poten- her potential son regard each other in that cell. Mother. And... I looked toward a corner of his cell. The Ouroboros appeared, snow and ice still crusting it. Mine to summon wherever and whenever I wished. She did it! The carver is filled with wonderment. He wants to know what she saw in that mirror, but she won't tell him. For the mirror, it had shown me 
so many things. I did not know how long had passed. Time, it had been different inside the mirror. She doesn't explain further, instead commanding him to uphold his end of the bargain. Of course, he says. It's clear now he has no real interest in the mirror. He tells her he simply wanted to see if she was worthy of helping. She's like, but like so you're going to make see if she goes mad by looking into this mirror? I think it is a little cheeky game the bone carver is playing. It is, especially because, as she points out, you need to, to know if I was good enough to save thousands of human lives or yes. people. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and so she's, like, very irritated at it, but yeah. she's also at the point where she's go, okay, whatever, just come on. She grips onto the carver's little boy hand and says, then let's begin. Ooh, mummy's taking me on a trip <laughs> to eat people. <laughs> I'm going to eat people. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Packages by Expedia. You were made to be rechargeable. We were made to package flights, hotels, and hammocks for less. Expedia. Made to travel. As chapter 69 opens... Noise. It's like you can't not. I mean, I'm a child, you know, like I'm a child today. I got to say noise. It just came out of your body. Um, We're back at Feyre's old village, except it's. So she has taken the carver, carver by the hand. And then we are transported into another scene at the beginning of chapter 16. Noise! Uh, and so we are back. We are back in Farah's village, except it's barely charred rubble now. So it's the next day. Farah, along with her family and her armies, march past her father's palatial estate. It's gone, shattered into pieces now. She can see the intentional acts of destruction on the Archeron estate. They even killed the animals that no. were left. Their armies are moving at a slower pace than desired, as Lord Devlin's men's can't move at face speeds, and they couldn't be left behind. Feyre and Nesta change into Illyrian fighting leathers during this trek. Powder up! Though Elaine is too scandalized to look that hot. Yeah, she's she's going through a lot right now. She seems to be. She gets... So she gets hot in a different way. Okay. She wears a bunch of winter court jackets and furs to cover her butt up. <laughs> I bet she still look great, though. Oh, yeah, of course. 
It's really difficult for them to never look good, you know? Oh, yeah. It's really, they can't, it's a it's a tough go for them to not look good. Yes. Um, so, yeah, th- this is all of the Prithian armies. They're all traveling down to the human lands where the Hybern army is stationed. And so they're, they're taking wagons, they're taking all this stuff with them, and they're walking. And at this point, when they stop to change on the side of the road... They also want to give Elaine a, a weapon, but she won't take the knife that Cassian tries to hand her. And I know that I'm critical of Elaine a lot, but I understand not wanting to hold a weapon. And while I might behoove her to have something to defend herself, mm. it, might, it might behoove her to have something to defend herself. An untrained person with a weapon often is a, at risk of hurting themselves as much Even as anyone more else. The, yeah. yeah. But then, Especially if you're not used to the weight. Like I feel like mm-hmm. the kind of thing of like these weapons are very heavy. Yeah. You have to have, like, upper body strength. If they, it was given to me, I'd just be like, don't. I'm going yeah. to drag it on the floor. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Can somebody do it for me? And and then they'd be like, yeah, just don't. You just know what? Let her die. Let, let her. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? She's too weak to live. We can't handle this shit. No, see, with, you would be fine because they do the, what the Elaine did was this, and then they just all carry her around in a little cradle. Yeah! They all have her on a little baby Bjorn, oh just my like God. patting her. Um, please. I ask all the time, if I could fit into a Bjorn, I, I've asked Jeff, would you carry me around? And he said yes. And I'd like to be carried around. We brought up Yoda last time. If I could just be a backpack for my husband, I would love it. But you love walking. I do. I do walk every day. <laughs> but I know I'll walk when I'm alone. But like if I have to go do something, I want to be carried. Oh, okay. So you choose when you want to walk. Yes. Yeah. yeah Got yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. I like that. Uh, so she won't take this knife. But then poor wounded Azrael walks up to Elaine where they are all standing. This is truth teller. He told her softly. I won't be using it today. So I want you to. Elaine's eyes widened at the obsidian-hilted blade in Azriel's scarred hand, the runes on the dark scabbard. Azriel tells her that some believe it to be a magical item and will not fail whoever carries it. She is hesitant, saying that she doesn't know how to use it. I'll make sure that you don't have to, I said, grass crunching as I stepped closer. Elaine weighed my words and slowly closed her fingers around the blade. Cassian looks on in shock, and Feyre ponders whether Asriel has ever given that blade to someone else before. Never, Reese answers down the bond, hearing her thoughts. Oh my god, as But also, Asriel, you could also use it too, though. I think Asriel might have a little bit of a crush. You think there's a baby crush on the the 300-month-old baby? (laughs) Um... Well, especially like another broody bear. Of course, so he's moody, into. So broody. He's moody, broody. She's moody, broody. And they together, both... oh my God! Think of the long stares. Oh, they will both stare have. out at the horizon so for hours much together. Staring. But maybe some reading that would be cute. Yeah, I don't know if Elaine reads. Yeah, I don't probably know if not. Of them read, no. Um, and then. As Feyre looks at Elaine and Azrael both holding the handle of that blade, she wants to paint. She, she wants, wants to paint! 
Now is not the time, Feyre. We are in the middle of something. She is just, she's a multitasker. She's, she's thinking just... about love life. She's thinking about her hobbies. Oh. She peers over at Reese and is struck with the thought that they will not get a night alone again. Maybe never again. Breathing became difficult. This break is the last time I'll be here talking. For this final leg of the march we were about to embark on, it would take us right to the battlefield. Uh-oh. Reese, attempting to calm her, suggests that they go have a quickie in their supplies wagon. Yo, 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 yo. That's my mommy and daddy. Uh, oh, no, you can't cheer on their lovemaking, you weird child. How else am I supposed to be made? Feyre takes, Feyre takes his hand. As they join hands, the others seem to be drawn towards them. Moore and Amran, also donning Illyrian leathers, walk over. Our family, our court, the court of dreams. Reese looks them each in the eye and asks if they want the inspiring talk or the bleak one. <laughs> I like giving the option. Yeah. Please give me the option because, you know, in the same way when you you ask, do you want support or or do you want like, um, oh. solutions, mm. supports mm. or solutions? Love that. Appreciate you, Reese. Um, Amarin retorts that they want the real one. And he launches into his Today is Our Independence Day speech. Oh, don't mix Reese and Bill Pullman in my head. Why not? Because, okay. Why not? Ugh. While you were sleeping, very problematic. But you know what? It was, ugh. It was my everything. Do you ever see While You Were Sleeping? Did he impregnate a sleeping woman and then she gives birth to... No children. Is Sandra Bullock, though, it is very upsetting. Sandra Bullock pretends to be the fiance of this dude that she doesn't know that she was in love with from afar. And she goes to visit him in the hospital because she works at the subway that she sees him every day. Ew. She doesn't know him. She shows up. He's in a coma. And the family's like, and she's like, I'm his fiance. And, which, and the whole family's like, oh, this is awesome. We didn't even know he had a fiance. And then she falls in love with his brother. I don't like it at all. That's very upsetting. It's very creepy, but I've seen that movie. I think it used to be on all the time. Anyone that is our, like, like if you were grown up in front of the television, you've seen this movie a thousand times. They made Julia Roberts and, uh, what's her name? Sandra, Sandra Bullock. Bullock do a lot of fucked up things in romantic comedies. Yeah, in the man. 90s. It's, it's, it's all in the name of love, guys. Not in the name of creepzillas. I mean, yeah, all of that's weird. <laughs> Although I, I still, I still like Fifty First Dates, even though that's kind of the same plot where he I know, just. Man. I still enjoy it. Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore together is just great. Like I'm on. saying, I watched while you were sleeping not that long ago, and I was just like, ugh, I really shouldn't be watching this movie. But then you did the whole time. I watched like, the entire Yay! fucking thing, and I was like, yes, I love their love. All right, now we're back. Sorry, to the sad we're thing. back. We're back. We're back. It's a very sad and moving <sighs> speech he gives them, and he tells them. If not for them, his family, that he might have turned into the king that they are going to face today, filled with only hatred and bitterness. In many ways, his speech sounds like a goodbye, and Moore begins to cry as he talks. When he turns to Feyre, he says down the bond so only she can hear, I would have waited 500 more years for you, oh. a thousand years, oh. and if this was all the time we were allowed to have, the wait was worth it. I cried, I cried while I read it. He kisses the tears rolling down Farah's face. He turns to the Archeron sisters and calls them his family. He surveyed them all again, 
and held out his hand to Cassian. Cassian took it and held out his other for more. Then more extended her other to Azrael. Azrael to Amrin, Amrin to Nesta, Nesta to Elaine, and Elaine to me, until we were all linked, all bound together. He tells them that they will walk onto the battlefield to face fate that day and will fight until there is not a breath left. Yeah! If it is decided by that tapestry of fate or the cauldron or the mother that we do not walk off that field today. His chin lifted. The great joy and honor of my life has been to know you. Stop! To call you my family. Stop, Reese! And I am grateful more than I can possibly say that I was given this time with you all. <gasps> and then they are at the battlefield. No! Highburn had chosen well. A vast, grassy plain stretched to the shore. A mile inland, he had planted his army. It is not looking good for them at the moment. Cassian confers with them after scoping out their advantages and weaknesses. Reese wants to know how long Cassian thinks they have before it will be over for Prithian. Cassian tries to deflect, but Reese asks him again. Then Cassian tells him straight, in likely a few hours, it may be completely over for them and their Damn. family. That means before then, before those few hours are up, that Amran and the sisters are going to have to find and take control of the cauldron if they have any chance of survival. This means that they'll have to wait until the battle is underway and try to go undetected into the melee. Azrael, though, too wounded to fight, is still able to employ his shadows and has sent them out to search for it as well. Cassian confirms it's time to prepare. Prepare to lead Rizan's armies. Cassian took a step away, but looked back at Nesta. Her face was hard as granite. He opened his mouth, but seemed to decide against whatever he was about to say. My sister said nothing as Cassian shot into the sky with a powerful thrust of his wings. Yet she tracked his flight until he was hardly more than a dark speck. Feyre and Reese exchange their final words before the slaughter begins through their bond. They watch each other. Tarquin barked an order far ahead, and our unified army came to a halt, like some mighty beast pausing. Summer, winter, day, dawn, and night. Each court's forces clearly marked by the alterations in color and armor. In the fairies who fought alongside the High Fae, ethereal and deadly. A legion of Thaisan's peregrines flapped into rank beside the Illyrians, their golden armor gleaming against the solid black of our own. Gotta Sick. say, armies sound so fashionable. Yeah, man, just thinking of the, yes, thinking of the colors on the battlefield before the color. only color is red. Oh, no. Everybody gonna die. Everybody gonna die. Or are they? Or are we? <gasps> Arm Armrin. Amrin begins to transcribe what is happening for Nesta's and for the reader's sake, explaining that the first lines of attack are going to be magic-based and that both sides will remain where they are as they begin to blast powers and shields back and forth. Cool! All of the high lords are using their powers, but Reese, 
Rizan will be waiting for his storm of night to be unleashed until later. Yes. Azrael stays at Riz's side, ready to use the power from his siphons, even if he can't be out on the battlefield. Mummy and Daddy have to go and fight so they can make me. Ew. Right, Auntie Nesta? Oh, quit looking at me, child. Pharaoh walks to stand. You next say that every time the kid looks at you. <laughs> quit looking at me, child! No! <laughs> yep. Even when we're just at home. <laughs> Even when you invite them over to your house. (laughs) (laughs) Pharaoh walks to stand next to Rizan. As they both watch the legions of armies before them, Pharaoh says, I never got you a mating present, which is an odd statement. Yeah. But Rizan is distracted enough not to respond. She goes on, though, saying that she's been thinking about it for a long time on what to get him. She's talking so long that he finally turns to look at her, questioning. I smiled at him bathing in that power, and sent an image into his mind. Of the column of my spine, now inked from my base to my nape with four phases of the moon and a small star in the middle of them. Uh, oh snap, Pharaoh's got a little trick up her sleeve now, doesn't she? Before our front line, a cloud of darkness appeared, writhing and whirling on itself. Mother above... Asriel breathed, right as a male figure appeared beside that swirling ebony smoke. Because no one knew, not yet, that Feyre had gone to the Ouroboros <laughs> and looked in, yes. looked into the mirror, yes. gone into the prison. Yes. Not only the prison, but journeyed to the library on her own, claimed her bargain with Briaxis. Awesome! Who now joins the carver Me. at the front of the armies of Prithian. Yes! Yeah. And I mean, this is a that's some flair, but also you probably should have told somebody you did that beforehand, you know. Communication, Pharaoh. I like the visual of it, but you don't always want to be doing little surprise parties at a, in the middle of a war. No, and not in the middle of a battlefield when it's like you're supposed to talk through like they're supposed to know exactly what's going on. I don't think surprises is where you, you don't want them on the battlefield. Usually I would not. assume I would I would assume even in this fight, in this chaos, all of the things that are happening, Reese wants to know what she saw in the mirror. Feyre considers that she may never tell him, that it may be the only secret she keeps from him completely. It's here she recalls all that the mirror did to herself. What she felt, what she saw, what it did to her. Been there, dude. But in that moment, she keeps it for herself. The mirror showed her her ugliest corners, her darkest thoughts, her most selfish and hateful actions. And she screamed and vomited and gnashed her teeth, but she did not turn away. And I wonder if this is a metaphor for seeking help for mental struggles, because the work of therapy very much feels like this a lot of the time. Yeah, finding all those corners, figuring out your boundaries, talking about these things. And having to face them. Yes, and work through them and understanding that they are a part of you and some of the things you can get rid of and some of them you can't. And sometimes it's okay to embrace the the dark stuff. And Feyre watches it all and does not turn from these things. And what I saw, I said quietly to him as the carver raised a hand. I think, I think I loved it, forgave it, me, all of it. Reese arched a brow, even as awe crept across his face. 
You loved all of it, the good and the bad? I smiled a bit. Especially the bad. <laughs> oh, whoa, someone get her. Oh, she needs a wig like mine so she can start being like Dark Betty in Riverdale. When she's bad, sometimes she wears a wig. And that's when you know she's bad because she's got a wig on. There's no Riverdale in this world. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Um, you're right. Riverdale. <laughs> Seven years of my life, Natalie. Yeah, I can't believe that. That's crazy. <laughs> as the Carver and Briaxis begin to move, Feyre cheers as Reese to a long and happy mating. But Reese has his own surprise. More Somebody surprises else on got the battlefield. We don't need. We need to know what's happening. Feyre looks, and a third figure appears at the front of the armies. Reese winks. Feyre looks again and sees a, a pale jewel on the forehead of the creature. Yes, it's Ianthe's roommate. <gasps> Stryga! You're welcome of my descent. Of your descent? Stryga is Polish, right? Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. I'm just saying that my this is of my people. It's your people. We don't have much you the got Polish, the all right? But we have the Stryga, all right? Yeah. You're not the only one who can offer bargains, you know. Reese drawled with a wicked smile. Reese explains that this was what, why Helion was in the middle forest that day when uh, Feyre had chased after the Surreal, that he had sent him to make a bargain with the Weaver. Feyre smiles, marveling at her mate and the shock that Highburn is about to face. Then the Weaver, the Carver, and Briaxis unleashed themselves upon Highburn. Oh, but it's also like the family coming together. It's brother and sister team. It's like, it's like you, Henry, and Jessica. <laughs> we go. I'm not going to tell my sister you called her the Briaxis, the scary dragon <laughs> thing that lives in the library. It's a compliment. <laughs> the monster siblings barrel into Highburn's lines and begin to decimate them in the hundreds. Yeah. She watches as soldiers look into the face of Briaxis and sees their deepest fears unfurl before them. She watches Reese lift his hand and his power of night explodes forth, a huge wall of soldiers misting into oblivion in an instant. Awesome! But Hybern's not entirely defenseless. Creatures like the Ador take to the skies. They see with horror that the king's store of Feybane has been replenished, improved. Ash arrows covered in it rain down on Prithian. Illyrians and others begin to fall. All the while, the monsters are shredding through Highburn. I love the image of the girl. Because the weaver makes me think of the girl from Ringu and then the boy from the boy. The boy. And they're just going through the army. just like, I'm going to kill. Yeah, just imagine him with like really tiny knives. But like you don't know why they're so tiny. But they're really, really effective at killing. Yeah. Feyre seems to enjoy this too. Even though she has to hold on to their bargain like a leash. As their bloodlust crave more and more, and they try to go after her side. Yeah, so she I, compares I, her like tattoos as a leash holding them sick. back. I just feel like it's got to be really difficult to distinguish in the middle of a battlefield. Probably this, they can smell. Yeah, it. I guess and know which ones. But like, if you're killing hundreds at a time, you mean I feel like some of the good guys got to get accidentally iced and 
that right? I think that they haven't actually fully gone into clashing the armies because they're using a lot of like magic and like arrows and stuff. Far away. So I don't think they're like in the combats of like of of the dance of that of war that explained it. I was with you. I knew this is how much we know about war, which is not a lot. And that's okay. We're very sheltered I when it comes to war. I'm not of the mind that it's that it's it's bad that kids become weak from not going to battle. Let's not take them to battle. What yeah. if we just don't do that? Yeah, I guess or you can just watch come and see. No. Yeah. Why would you say that? Yeah, that's child soldiers. Don't. That's no. Sad. Don't. Don't do that don't, while you're reading. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. A actually. Court of Wings and Ruin. <laughs> it's gonna cross some weird yeah, wires. Don't do it. Um, Unless you're thinking of me as the bone carver as the lead boy, then that's very I upsetting. Love the wall. It's very upsetting. But because of those tattoos, they must adhere to the rules set in place by their bargain. Where the night court stands, Reese and Amran argue over the right moment for the maid people to begin their pursuit of the cauldron. Just as they begin to shout, a horn sounded to the north. Both armies seemed to pause to look. Three armies, one bearing the burnt orange flag of Baron. The other, the grass-green flag of the spring court. And one, one of mortal men in iron armor, bearing a cobalt flag with a striking badger, Grayson's crest. Thanks for all the help, Grayson. Yeah. Okay, No, but this badger. was like, yay, they're Yes, here. they're here. We didn't know if they were going to come, but they did. And then Eris is standing beside Reeson Farah. Hello. Man, sorry, that just snapped me back because all of my For You page is all fan art. I know, uh, mine now is too. it's completely fan art. And I just had a complete memory of there. Someone drew Nesta like, at, like having sex with Asriel while she's jerking off Cassian and Eris on both sides and like they're jerking off all over her face. Oh my God. And like, I was just like, I just didn't, because all of it are all very like, they're loving, they're romantic yeah. pictures. And then I saw that. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> wow. Yeah, sometimes. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> they are very, like, a lot of the fan art is very erotic, but then sometimes it does stray into more of a pornography I was style. More so, I, like, I wasn't, you know, like, offended or anything. I was just more like, I was just taken aback. You were like, oh, how dare you? And then I went, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> As long as she was enthusiastically consenting. Yeah, oh yes, no, they were they were all very consenting. Okay, good for her, I guess. <laughs> God bless. It seems like a lot of work to me, but oh, it's got to be a lot of work. But man, you know what a story. What a story. Sometimes you got to fuck for the stories. All right, we're not having sex right now. <laughs> we're in battle. Eris has a, basically winnowed next to Reese and Feyre. They look back at the armies and. And Jorian is leading the humans there. And Baron is leading Autumn Court. Their stunned looks cause Eris to explain that Tamlin physically forced Baron to join. Man, he's getting like, he makes me like him every every page, bit by bit, Tamlin. Stepping up. Shades of gray. Shades of gray. Eris tells Reese that Tamlin and Jorian are awaiting orders. Reese asks, what about Baron? But Eris gestures outward and says that they are busy doing something else. And they see 
the brothers, those shithead brothers of Lucian's, are going from cart to cart of Fabane and sending that up into flames, turning them into ash. Yeah. And Feyre understands that Jurian or Tamlin has told them where every cachet was being held. That's awesome. And then Reese realizes that it's time for them to go, to leave, to go into the surge and seek out the cauldron. And Reese points to where the weaver is working a pathway just for them, that the weaver can sense the power of the cauldron. They take their moment. Before Feyre leaves, she and Reese exchange one last touch of hands. Then they are spelled with invisibility, Amran and Feyre flanking the sisters, with Asriel casting out his shadows to help shield them as they enter the throes. Feyre prays it is enough as they enter the line of soldiers. She dares one more time to look back at Reese, aching to speak to him one more time, when Nesta cries out and stumbles in front of her. Reese winnows to them in an instant as the dawning horror hits them. The king is drawing the cauldron's powers, and no. Nesta's felt it <gasps> right now. Nesta from the ground, sick and gasping, wrenches her head back, staring ahead at the horizon. They all do what they can to brace for this impact. And then Nesta began screaming, not in pain, but a name, over and over. Cassian! Amran reached for her, but Nesta roared. Cassian! She scrambled to her feet as if she'd leapt into the skies. A figure shot from the Illyrian ranks, spearing for us, flapping hard, red siphons blazing. Somehow, Cassian has heard her cries over the rumble of battle, and then the ground shudders, and Feyre looks to where Hibern has set their armies. On the hill overlooking this field, Feyre had thought that they were stationed there to force Prithian armies to fight uphill, but she was wrong. They were there so they may tip the cauldron into the sky. Cassian was halfway to us when the cauldron's blast hit the Illyrian forces. I saw him scream but heard nothing. The force of that power. It shredded Azrael's shield, then Rizan's, and then shredded any siphon-made ones. It hollowed out my ears and seared my face. And where a thousand soldiers had been a heartbeat before, ashes rained down upon our foot soldiers. Nesta had sensed it had called for Cassian because he was directly in the line of white light omitted from the cauldron that would have wiped him out from existence. She saved him. It gives me chills! Oof. And only a moment passed before Nesta moans again, resends warnings out to the other commanders and lords to prepare. But the cauldron strikes in another place this time, the king wiping out his own soldiers along with Prithians for the chance at the upper hand. And when... Where the light went was where the bone carver was still feasting on Highburn's ranks. The weaver tries to shriek out a warning. But the carver, I could have sworn he looked toward me as the cauldron's power crashed into him. Could have sworn he smiled, and it was not a hideous thing at all. And then he was wiped away from the world. Finally, I get to sleep. Someone give me a nap. Unless that's all he was doing in that cave the entire time. Yeah, maybe time. he was very he was napped, napped out. And he was napped out, and he was just ready to go, man. Well, if you remember earlier in the books, he really desperately wanted to know what Feyre 
saw when she died because he's very curious about if there's another plane. And so I think maybe he was excited to see in that moment. At the start of Chapter 71, things aren't looking very good. Feyre feels the tattoo representing the carver's bargain get cold and vanish. I wondered who would carve his death in the prison. Oh, and no one's going to give him a drawing. I'll draw something out. Oh, this guy, I think you should. Yeah, just to, you know, I just want to make sure that he feels heard. Seen and, yes. and validated. Yes, you know. because you were around for millennia. Mm-hmm. And his poor sister. She's so sad. She then wonders if the carver had made it to some other plane, the one that he was so curious about. She sends out a prayer into the wind for the carver and all the soldiers who have been killed. Through the shock and horror, Prithian's ranks regroup and forge ahead. Feyre notes even Jurian's human men continue on, even though they all must be like, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is not at all like our wars. Like, these Fey are a lot stronger than us, and you want us to go into there? No, thank you. But they do. They go forward. Yeah, dude. Nesta is still huddled on the ground as Cassian lands and pulls her to a seated position, asking her what she's feeling. She says the cauldron's gone quiet. Reese reprimands Cassian, telling him to get back out in front of his army. It's clear that this is out of character for Cass to have to be told to get back in line. But he speaks truly. There's nothing we can do against that light. Azrael stands up. He's tried and tried to convince Reese to let him fly in this battle, but has relented until now. He, no. He tells Reese he is going in. But you're injured! Feyre takes in their ranks. Nesta can't get up from the impact of the cauldron. Elaine can't get up just from being kind of a butt. She's just like, I couldn't. My sword's too heavy. So Feyre asks into Amran's mind if just the two of them, Feyre and Amran, would be enough to harness the cauldron. Amran isn't sure, but thinks it's possible. It may have to be. With the cauldron's power, Hybern has taken back the upper hand. Prithian's ranks are falling, and then they hear another horn sound, and it is not theirs. It's more Hybern army. Hybern has even more coming in from the sea. It seems impossible that they have more numbers, but here they come. And now Prithian is blocked in from two sides, land and sea. No! Reese turns to Feyre and tells her to try to get across that battlefield to the cauldron. But if she can't and the others are down, she tries to stop him from continuing. But he goes on. I want you to run. I don't care what it costs. You run. Get far away and live to fight another day. You don't look back. Feyre shakes her head in disbelief. She would never do this. And Reese must know that she would never run. He tur- He's trying, though. Oh, yeah, He's trying to, put, to just sprinkle it in her, just like, please try to take care of yourself, have some kind of self-preservance, but um, preservation, and she has none of it. And he also is basically saying, I'm probably about to die. Yes. He turns back to Azriel, concedes to him, tells him, go defend one end. But Rizan doesn't seem to believe it will matter. But like he said, they will fight until their last breaths. He sends Cassian to the other side. Feyre knows that if everyone goes down, she will kamikaze herself right into the king's ass. Yeah, girl! Cassian tells them, see you on the other side. And she knows he means more than this battle. No one expects victory now. 
as he is about to take off. A horn blast cleaved the world. A dozen horns lifted in perfect, mighty harmony. From another line in the sea. Perplexed, Reese grabs Feyre and launches them into the sky to see farther over the horizon. A moment later, Cassian appears with Nesta in his arms. I knew who they were the moment the aerial host's white, feathered wings became clear. The Seraphim, Dracon's Legion. Yeah, 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 yeah! They're coming to save the day! A thousand ships, allies from all over, places they've never been, Miriam's people. And Rizan laughs as Dracon lands down next to him. I just feel like such a, like, it gives me tingles to get whenever someone, like, comes to help and, like, saves the day, that I kind know. of thing. I'm such a, like, I feel so pathetic because, like, it's when I start crying. Oh like, God, I'm crying at this point in the book. She'd be like, they're coming to help. Like, I'm just so, <laughs> I have so many emotions. No, I do the same. <laughs> I love this scene. Dracon tells him he could have asked for help by way of greeting. You could have, uh, you know, you could have asked us for help, Rizan. Gleefully, Reese tells him that they tried, but they couldn't find them. Dracon explains that they decided to glamour their island to look abandoned, taking inspiration from Valaris. But they must have done too good a job, because when Azriel went to find them, he only found rubble there. Reese asks if all of the ships down there are with him. Dracon's mouth quirked to the side. Friends of yours, I think. My heart stopped. Some of Miriam's boats are down there. She with them, but most of them came for you. None of them understand. <laughs> yeah, they're all confused. They haven't summoned anyone else. They didn't have any more tricks up their sleeves. Dracon explains that they crossed these ships on their journey over here and decided to all come together the peregrines even offering assistance with the wind propulsion. And it worked. These ships were now coming in faster than Highburn's. Dracon, half confused, says, I can't even begin to explain the convoluted story they told me, but... He shook his head. They're led by a queen named Vasa. <gasps> I began crying, and I did too! Lucian had found her, had harnessed her. Dracon shakes his head. No, not Lucian. He calls himself the Prince of Merchants. Nesta seems about to be laid out flat as Dracon continues that he told them all that he has three daughters here. What? That he failed them for many years, but he would not fail them now. The ships at the front of the human armada became clear, along with the gold lettering on their sides. And there, sailing at the front... I beheld the names of those ships, the Feyre, the Elaine, and leading the charge against Highburn, flying over the waves. I'm going to cry! I know, this scene makes me cry. Unyielding and without an ounce of fear, the Nesta, with my father, our father, at the helm. The first time in their uh... entire lives he has ever worked to help them. He brings an entire armada with him. It's Daddy! Daddy stepped up! Daddy's here! I'm He's sorry, not the father is here. He's the father, He's who, the stepped father who stepped up! He's the father who stepped up! 
That scene gets to me, man. It was also such a good deflection because I was not thinking about their father at no, all. At no, no. We we had no clue that their dad was going to show up, but the three ships named after oh them. Oh my god! Oh my god! It hits me right in the feelings. Um, I was starting to cry as I was reading that. I know. No, it's such a good scene, especially just because it's so. It, at least for me, it was such an unexpected turn. Yes. Um. And it's just like, wow, her worlds are very rich in that I I wonder his whole story was probably a whole, like, epic novel, like, of everything that he went through to get to this point, you know? Yeah. Ah! And we're almost at the end of this fucking book. Oh, my God! And now we're going to have the archer on Daddy here helping out. Daddy's home! And he's ready to play. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make this sexual. I bet he's cute. Oh, I'm sure he's super handsome. Yeah, turn him into a fae. Make him even better. We'll see what happens to him. We'll see what happens. Please read up until chapter 77 or page 666. Nice. In the paperback edition. No dudes grappling with erotica this week. We are out of scenes and this is not a sexy section of the book. But they will be back soon. Hey, babies! For more fairy talk and hot touch, join us every week here on LPN Deep Dive's Akatar, available wherever you get your podcasts. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit VALottery.com.